Please stand by. Five, four, three, two. Hey, welcome back to another episode of One Dive at a Time. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. Super, super excited to get this one out. I've potifated a little bit just because of just there a ton of stuff going on, right? Been traveling with my main gig. I've been doing some travel in support of Neptune Warrior, having an opportunity to talk to veterans and first responders about their strengths, specifically their Clifton strengths. And I've talked about this on a previous podcast, but I've also had some incredible opportunities to get with them, meet with them, start to explore those strengths and really enjoy that aspect. Also, other exciting news. I have not only one, but two books that are out. Let me back up on the story of this. I have tried for probably about 20, 25 years to write a book. And I've done some self-publishing. And when I mean self-publishing, like printing off of a photocopier and selling at seminars and things like that, back when I was doing survival with Adventure IQ. And could never really get that into a format where I could put it into guides and paperbacks and things like that that I really wanted to. Well, fast forward, and I'm working with Neptune Warrior and getting that launched, and I've got a lot of feelings and a lot of ideas that I've wanted to express. I've done that with a blog. I've done that with a podcast. But in creating a book... When I worked with my editor, she said, you know, Rob, you've really got six different books in one, and as one book, it doesn't make sense. So we need to start breaking that up. And so I began doing that. At the same time, I have a way that I like to capture my passion of diving, my obsession of diving in a journal. I believe in dive journaling You've heard me talk about this on the podcast. Maybe you've seen it on the YouTube vids. And if you've been one of my classes, I have taught how to do that dive journaling. What I find is that most divers don't maintain a dive log for long. Unless they've got a very specific goal, it, it becomes something that's, that's mundane for most divers, right? Diving is an adventure. And I wanted to capture that adventure much the same way that I had done in my adventures of mountain biking and rock climbing and survival. I, I wanted to have a format that brought out the essence of adventure that helped a diver on a journey. And combining that with my beliefs on how to become a more holistic diver. And when we look in the world of people who do ultra marathons or people who are doing bodybuilding or people who are doing cycling, it, it's a different mindset. And I'm not sure why for a lot of folks. You have people who are very, very obsessive about diving, but it, it's, it's a very small amount. And yet when you look at something like running or mountain biking or, or anything like that, a lot of obsession, a lot of passion. And so there's a lot of things I'm borrowing from those areas that I'm going to talk about later on in a, in a much later podcast because I'm working with Brooks on something that we are calling the Apex Diver. More to come on that. 
But in capturing those emotions and those feelings and just the joy of diving, as I looked around at other dive logs, it's just not there. And that's why I started creating my own process. It worked for me, and I found that as I shared it out, it worked with my other divers. But I wanted to expand even more. So first book that is out is called Aquatic Awakening. And it is a journal that is designed for the holistic diver, someone who wants to dive deeper not only into water, but dive deeper into their soul and understand. So the dive log is set up with just capturing the minimums. You know, things like how deep you go, the time that you were down, what the weather was like, what the water temperatures were, very basic details with lots of room to add pictures, to add notes, to talk about your discoveries whether that's something you find underwater or something you find within yourself. It's also got little short stories and little quips that relate back to diving and relate to transforming who you are as a person, solidifying who you are as a person. It's got all that really cool stuff. So that's book number one. It is out on Amazon as of last week. I'll make sure I include a link in the show notes. The second one is out today. I was getting asked as I was writing this book from non-divers, hey, where, you know, where am I going to be able to get a copy of this? And it's like, hey, you know, it's this is really set up for divers. I mean, yeah, it's cool and everything. Yes, thank you for, for supporting me, but it's really for, for divers. And as a non-diver, you're not going to get a lot out of it. However, if you look at it and you want to become a diver, awesome, let's get you in the water. So at the same time, I was producing something that is a journal for healing for people who have been in situations where they take care of others. And now it's time to take care of yourself. And whether you're a veteran taking care of other people, if you're a first responder taking care of other people, if you were someone who's watching out for a veteran, even if you have someone who's not even a veteran or a first responder, but you've been in a situation like a teacher or a manager, a mother, who's been in situations where you've put others first. You're a hero. And so the second one that is out today is designed for you. And I'm super proud of this work. It is, it's, it's a way to go through in a 30-day time span, recapture who you are, build a few new habits, plan out your week. It gives you a month to be selfish for your own self-care. It's just like in an airplane. You can't take care of somebody else. You know, when when those oxygen masks pop down, you can't take care of somebody else unless you take care of yourself first. It's just like in diving. You can't rescue your buddy until you rescue yourself. And that's what this book does. I'm super happy about it. I'm very excited about it. Again, I'll include the link on Amazon. I get my author copies today for the the second book. I've already received my author copies for the first one. I've been passing those out, giving those out to, to various people. I'm super excited about both of them. And then I do have another, I do have other work that's coming up very shortly, but I've been, 
I mean, I, this isn't just like it just happened. I mean, this is 20 years of doing work that is finally, you know, we hit a tipping point. We figure out what the best way is to get this out there. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to start publishing more shorter books instead of one great big thick book. Now, with that said, I'm still working on the whole healing heroes one dive at a time, but it's going to be in a much smaller version and maybe volumed out. More to come on that. I got to get more information from my editor on on it. But I'm, I'm excited about this. I am super, super stoked about it. On another front, the boat is coming along. I've had to make a pretty sizable investment, though. So I've already made an investment of buying a SIB, which is an inflatable boat. It's got a hard floor but a soft keel. I bought a trailer that had to be heavily modified because nobody really makes a SIB trailer. And so thank you, Rob Gamble, for all the work that was done on it. So that was a pretty considerable investment there. But then I had bought a motor, and I was so proud of this motor. I bought like a, it was a 1958 Evinrude. I thought it was so cool to run a classic motor, but it's just not performing the way it needs to, especially if I'm going to have friends out on it, if I'm going to have dive students out on it. I need it to be reliable. So I just dumped a very, very healthy chunk of money. I mean, I could have bought another really, uh, you know, I could have bought another used vehicle, which I don't need right now, or it could have been a, you know, it could have gone to a lot of other things. Instead, it's going to go to this boat because I want to get divers out. Where we're at, we're very limited to the number of dive sites we have and how crowded those dive sites get. So I'm going to load up a couple of divers and we're going to shoot to the other side of the lake. I'm getting late in the dive season. I'm about halfway through the dive season right now before you know the, the, the temperature starts changing. They're going to start lowering the reservoirs pretty soon here. So I need to get this thing in the water. So I had to spend some money to get it in the water. So I'm probably about six grand into this thing right now to get divers out. But I'm excited about it. It's going to be, this rig is going to be set up specifically for diving and really nothing else. It's going to be a way for me to escape. It's going to be a way to get divers out. It's going to be a way to go out on dates, all that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm excited about that part of it. But yeah, just did, just made a, a, a sizable investment with it. Hopefully, I it is in the water this weekend. Got a lot of divers in the water right now. I've got several advanced students. I've got a few uh, master scuba dive candidates. And then I've got a couple of open water students that are coming along. All of them in private workshops. So I'm very excited about that and the work that's coming along with it. I did get a chance to dive a private lake last night with Jack. Jack, thank you so much for taking me out to your backyard. I understand that feeling of getting to dive the place that you have grown up on and always wonder what was under the water. Because I did that when I came back uh, to Texas in 1994 as a diver and uh, was able to, to, to have that opportunity to go see the place I had always fished, to see the place I had kayaked, all that kind of stuff. So, Jack, thank you again. We dove a private lake, and it is deep. It is really, really deep. I thought it was going to be like 8 or 10 feet. We hit 20 feet. And it got dark and kept continuing to drop. And the water got really cold. So we're going to continue to explore that. I think I'm going to get out there maybe with a depth finder just to find out you know, what we're dealing with. So that was super fun. Kathy and Becky are doing awesome. Both of them just finished up their advanced. Both of them, it's actually their second time to go through advanced. They weren't happy with the results that they got the first time they went through. And so they came back through doing a private workshop. We expanded on that workshop quite a bit. 
uh, to get them to really redo an advanced diver with about 10 to 12 dives involved in that with lots of pull work. Both of them have really grown as divers. And there's, there's a night and day difference with where they were as divers now. With that said, I want to tell you about this last weekend. We're going to call this Becky's bailout. And it wasn't actually Becky was bailing out. It's just that she happened to be a party to that. And there's a few lessons learned on this. So we were going to go knock out a deep dive, get her some confidence with diving deeper, or not, not deeper, deeper, but diving to the advanced level or the criteria of what it takes for, for deep dive. It gets really cold with the reservoir that we're in. So we had set 70 feet, okay? I know, I recognize that that's not a 100-foot dive. I recognize it's not a 120-foot dive. But it's deep enough, number one, that we meet the criteria of advanced diver. It also met the criteria of low visibility, having to use dive lights, having to use a buddy line. And we were going to use a bailout reel at the end anyway. Finger reel with an SMB or DSMB on it. We also had to do some navigation with it. But I was going to handle the navigation component. So I knew the area I wanted to go to is an area I'd worked quite a bit. Had my compass set, heading out on a heading of 265 degrees. And as we started getting to around 50, 55 feet, I thought, this is not quite where I want to be. And so I thought, well, maybe I drifted off just a little bit, which doesn't happen a lot for me. But I picked a direction, or was going to pick a direction, and swim you know, either to the left or the right. I had chosen left. So I went to adjust my compass so we could swim to the left so I could find the little rocky outcrop area that I was looking for. And I, I noticed that my computer, which is a Shearwater, has a, which, which I love the compass on it, it wasn't reacting or responding with the numbers as I turned left, like I thought it should. Because I, should, I thought I should be coming up with a whole different reading. And I wasn't getting those numbers. So I thought, well, let's go back a little bit because I'm not feeling really comfortable. And at this point, when I look when I look at the depth gauge, we're now sitting in about 65 feet of water. It's dark. Our lights are barely penetrating. And so I decide to head back in the opposite direction. And what I find is that no matter how much I turn, even when I do a complete 360, the numbers on my compass are staying between 240 and 280. And this isn't good. By the way, we're in very flat terrain. So getting lost underwater is a very real, is a very real aspect at this point because you can't see around you. There's no terrain features. It's very flat. It's very muddy. Can't hardly see. So it is time to end the dive. And so I pull my finger reel and my SMB, check with Becky, ask if she's okay to go to the surface. She gives me the okay signal. 
and I deploy my SMB and we start the journey up. And I have to tell you, going up in dark water with really the only reference that you have is the line going up and the numbers that are on your compass. Even for an experienced diver, it can be a little daunting. She did fantastic. She's a completely different diver than what she was when I first met her several years ago. She was phenomenal. But as we're going up, at about 45 feet, I can hear a boat. And as many of you know, it's very difficult to tell the direction of the boat. In fact, it's impossible to tell the direction of the boat because of how dense water is and how fast sound travels underwater. You can't differentiate, you know, the where it's coming from. But it's pretty... It's, it's, it's pretty loud. And then about 30 feet, I feel somebody tugging on the SMB. I can also hear gears shifting in a boat. And I realize that there is somebody up on top trying to take my SMB. And so I pull back down on the SMB and then let it pop back up. And that's not, that's not deterring them at all. We try swimming in a different direction. Swimming not sure if we're swimming away or towards it, but I want to show that there's something down there. At 15 feet, they start tugging on the SMB again. So we wait, at, wait it out. I try pulling the SMB down, letting it go back up, and nothing is deterring them. At 10 feet, I can actually see the outline of the boat through the murky water. And I'm not really, really happy with that part of it. So <laughs> we wait there for a minute. I see the boat move off, and that's when I decide to go ahead and surface. And as I do, I find it's the sheriff who has been tugging on our stuff. And so... <laughs> When I get to the surface, my first words are like, what the hell are you doing? And his first words are, oh, it's scuba divers. And I just thought, and, and I, I probably was not as polite as I should have been. In fact, I know I wasn't polite. And I've, I'm always polite with law enforcement. Of course, I've got, you know, I've got a military and law enforcement background. And so I'm always polite. But I got to tell you, it, it really took me off guard that the boat patrol... With as much as with as much coordination as what we've done with them, and as much as what we've talked to them, and as much as that they've seen us out there, didn't realize that that was a you know that there was divers underneath. You know, we had floated the you know we floated the uh, the SMB to the surface, and they didn't realize that it was divers. Now, to their credit, they've had some recent drownings out there, and there's a lot of people who swim that area. And they'll, they'll have a tether line behind them or they won't have anything at all. And so maybe in their mind, they thought, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, this is a drowned swimmer. But, I mean, come on, there's, there's bubbles coming up and stuff. But I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, I love our law enforcement that's out there. It was just a really different situation. But the reason why I tell this story is I've got a diver who two years ago was not nearly the well-put-together diver that she is today. We live in a scuba world 
where mediocrity is the norm. It, it, it doesn't take a lot to be a better than average diver. There's not a lot of effort that you need to put in to be the better diver on your boat. Most people don't take care of their bodies. Most people don't take care of their equipment. Most people don't work on their skills. Most people are not reading magazine articles or listening to podcasts or watching videos. It doesn't take a lot to be a good diver or a better than average diver in today's world because there are so many mediocre divers. With advancements in the way we distribute knowledge, with the availability of instructors and coaches, with the availability of equipment, with the availability of experiences, you don't have to work hard to be a better diver than everybody else on the boat or a better diver than everybody else on the site. What I find is that the best divers that I know are people who feel that they're pretty average, and so they strive towards greatness. And that makes them phenomenal divers. I'm seeing this happen in our community right now. I've, I've dove a lot of places. I've dove with a lot of divers. And the work that's being done here in Boise on Thursday nights, in weekend seminars, in pool sessions. This area is creating really, really good divers. And we get that feedback all the time. And people are surprised when they hear that we're from Idaho. There's diving in Idaho. Then they go and they dive with us and they're like, hey, (laughs) you know, or it doesn't take a lot. We can look around and we see the difference between our divers and everybody else that's on a boat or everybody else that's on a dive site. To get good, you have to be passionate about the sport. You look at runners. You look at cyclists. You look at car enthusiasts, right? I mean, whatever it happens to be, people who are obsessive about something are going to be very, very good. And if diving is your thing that you want to be obsessive about, there are so many avenues to go from being an average diver not only to a above average diver, but of being a great diver. This new project that I'm embarking on with Brooks, the Apex Diver, is going to talk about our journey in nutrition, our journey in fitness, our journey in mindfulness. Body, mind, soul of becoming a great diver. I'll be the first to admit, I've got a dad bod. But I'm in pretty decent shape. I don't look like an athlete. Look kind of like a former athlete, but I don't have that athletic build like I had when I was in my 20s, 30s, and 40s. When I did my recent heart evaluation, I'm in the upper 95 percentile of men over 50. 
So I figured that's not too bad. My weight's, yeah, maybe a couple pounds that I need. In fact, I got seven pounds I need to drop. I figured that's not too bad. But everything I do is towards diving. When I read books, it's about diving. When I think about my food intake, it's about diving. When I think about my finances, it's about diving. It's becoming obsessive. Finding your purpose, finding your passion. If that's not diving, that's cool. But it's a diving podcast, so I'm going to talk about diving. But finding whatever your passion is, finding whatever your purpose is, and focus your mind, body, and soul around that. The two books that I just put out, one for divers, and by the way, the second book, Divers, it's highly useful for divers. I'm going to use it. It's Well, not only am I going to use it because it's a paperback, it's got my name on it, but it's essentially what I've been doing for the past, at least the past three years on a very consistent basis. It's stuff I've been doing for probably about the past 15 years, but more so really the past three years as I've been pulling myself back together and heading into a new direction. But taking that passion, harnessing it, having resources, having tools to keep moving forward. And that's what I love about working with people like Becky and Kathy and Jack and Beth and many, many others as they just continue that progress. And diving has been a great avenue to move people in into, whether it's dive-related or not, into new areas. By the way, I... It was 2000, it was, you know, today, um, what, seven, eight years ago, back in 2016, that I posed a question on Facebook, a what if question. You know, what if we opened up, you know, really focused on diving here in, in Idaho? What would it look like? And that, that question has been answered. We've produced or have been part of at least getting people started on the path where they are now instructors. They're dive masters, rescue divers. There's people who are following their dreams, and going to different locations either to visit or to live all based on diving. I look at my buddy Jason. I mean, he's got property down in Central America that's diving-related, and that's where he's going to spend the rest of his life, following that passion. And yet I remember a day when he was going to quit. People that start out in this program are dive-mastering in Hawaii, in Mexico. There are people who are moving into instructor ranks, moving beyond instructor, dive mastering. People just getting their stuff together because of diving, because of asking that question of what if. What if we made it more accessible? And it's a really good feeling. Always looking at the possibilities Find something that you're passionate about. Find something that has a purpose. Recognize what the poison is, you know, the things that hold you back from it. And keep moving forward. That's what it's all about. Hey, that's all I've got for this episode. I've got to get back into my regular gig here pretty soon. Work starting up pretty soon. And then I've got a boat to work on tonight. And then just uh, just continue diving. All right. Y'all have a very blessed day, and remember, as long as you've got air, you're all right.
Hey, don't forget, check the show notes for the Amazon links for both those books. All right, that's it.